0: Good morning, church. My name is Jess, and I'm part of the teaching team here at North Lakes, and it is my honor to bring the message to you this morning as we continue our series on silence, solitude, and Sabbath. I remember it was about two years ago, and I was traveling in the U.S., and um, we're just about to finish A big leg of this youth conference tour that we'd been a part of and to put it lightly we were just exhausted we were absolutely exhausted and it had been months of on the road and really hard work and when we got to go back to home base um, we weren't very good at taking breaks Um, this is especially true for my husband Luke and so when we got to the end of the tour, the last um, the last stop was in Florida and some of our family was in town. And so um, we decided to take a family holiday just across the border to Mexico. And as we got there, we got to the house we were staying in and the beautiful hosts showed us around. And then like this beaming light out the back, there was this glorious hammock. Um, We all went to bed that night but the next morning Luke just absolutely beelined for this hammock. He took his coffee, he took a book and for the rest of the day that is where you found him. And at the end of the day, I, no word of a lie, Luke's countenance had changed. It had looked like the whole world had lifted off his shoulders. And um, what he was actually experiencing was the outcome of rest. And um, because of rest, he was experiencing peace, which made way for joy. And that's what I want to speak to us about this morning, the joy of Sabbath. Now, a lot of, a lot of us love holidays. I am a, I'm a sucker for holidays. I love going away and getting away on holidays. But Sabbath is not just a getaway. It's uh, not forget about everything that's happening in life uh, that waits for you back home. But Sabbath is a deliberate stopping in the middle of life to rest, to be restored, to worship, and to delight in the good things that God has given. To speak practically, if Sabbath is a foreign concept to you, it's a biblical practice which means to completely stop from work for one full day each week. It isn't intended just to be taken when things are going well. Sabbath is designed to meet us in every season. When you've had the best week ever, it is met with Sabbath at the end or the beginning. And when you've had the worst week of your life, it is met with Sabbath at the end or the beginning. By design, which God implemented in the rhythm of creation, Sabbath allows us to acknowledge that God is our provider in every season. Now, over the past few weeks we've been speaking about silence solitude and sabbath and it is my prayer and the teaching team's prayer that you you would have some you would have been having some interesting conversations in your homes about silence about solitude uh, about the practices that you go about with technology consumption our prayer is that you would have dived into those conversations already um, but today I pray that after this message, you would have another conversation to have, that you would be able to discuss with the people you live with, or your roommates, your family, your spouse, what would it look like to start practicing Sabbath every week? How could you stop and participate in the joy of Sabbath? So we've seen a lot through the Old Testament through this series, about the sabbath but i want us to take a look at what jesus says about the sabbath today we'll come right to the gospels and we are diving into mark chapter 2 if you have your bibles turn there with us we are at mark chapter 2 verses 23 to 27 says this one sabbath jesus was going through the grain fields and his disciples walked along they began to pick some heads of grain the pharisees said to him Look, why do you, why do they do what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for the pro- priests to eat. And he also gave to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now, some of you might be thinking, um, hang on, you're not allowed to snack on the Sabbath. I didn't know that that was part of it. That is not true. Um, There was nothing against snacking on the Sabbath or taking the grain from the field to eat. Let's take a look at what the law actually said. Uh, The law was given in Exodus 20, verse 9, and it says this, Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath, a day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. So work and rest here is kind of ambiguous. Um, What some people call work, others call rest. Um, Take work, for example, is exercise work for some people absolutely that sounds like the worst kind of work um is is cooking work what about if cooking's not work but what about doing the dishes afterwards is is that work like or is gardening work take rest is is reading rest some people think reading is the most horrible activity and some people think it is absolutely life-giving um again is exercise rest some people's souls are really um regenerated when they come out of a great exercise session and some people think that's horrible so you see the predicament here so with a good heart what started out from a place of wanting to make sure that they honored the Lord and honored his day as holy what the Pharisees did was they they did this thing what they call building a fence around the Torah Now the Torah was the law given in the Old Testament. For example, when I went to Niagara Falls, uh, we got there and we, we went to see this beautiful wonder of the world, but there was this fence that was built to protect us. Now it wasn't right on the edge of it, it was built a little back from it, just to make sure nothing bad happened to the people who came to partake in this beauty. The same principle was at work when the Pharisees built a fence around the Torah. So the line was, do not work, but rest, but rest on the Sabbath. And yet to build that fence, they built hundreds of rules and regulations around what you could or could not do, including what you could eat and how far you could walk. Now we read this and we could think that is so legalistic. But the heart began with, I really want to obey the Lord. I really want to please him. And somewhere along the line, the Pharisees lost the heart of why Sabbath was created. And over the years, these, uh, the Pharisees coded and recorded all of these additional laws into a book called the Mishnah. Long story short, Jesus is pro-Torah, God's law, and anti-Mishnah, man's law. And so when we read, why do your disciples do what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Well, in fact, they weren't breaking the Torah. They were breaking Mishnah, the rules and regulations that had been put there by man, not by God, and Jesus was having none of it. It goes on, um, Mark 2 said, um, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, So Jesus is declaring he is Lord over the Sabbath. He was saying, you think man was made for Sabbath to serve the Sabbath? No way. Sabbath was made for men. It was a gift to us that we might delight in the Lord. Jesus' teaching on the Sabbath continues into the next chapter. And remember, we have put the chapter break there. These stories would have been right beside each other as Mark was recalling them. says in Mark three, another time Jesus went to the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? to save or to kill, but they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. He said to them, the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out to begin and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Now, as we look through the scriptures, we actually find seven times that Jesus heals on the Sabbath. Which, of course, with Jesus is not a coincidence. Jesus is telling us something here. He's trying to communicate with both of these stories that the Sabbath was made for men, that we might be healed. The Sabbath, church, is a day of healing The Sabbath was not designed that we might buckle under the weight of its regulations, but that we might experience freedom and healing from the gift of it. Interestingly, the word for healing, when we read it in the Bible, is the same word that we read for salvation. Wherever you read healing and wherever you read salvation, it is the same word, which is soterra. So whether we're reading um, a healing or a salvation, in fact, the word is exactly the same in the original translation. Jesus is highlighting here that the the Sabbath is not legalism. It is freedom for us, that we might experience the healing our soul needs, that the shriveled part of our hearts would be restored and that we might be free from the culture that enslaves us. Which brings me to a scripture I find fascinating when we speak about the Sabbath. It's found in Deuteronomy 5.15. I'm reading the New American Standard Bible version because I love that it says celebrate here. Verse 15, it says this. And you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. The Lord your God brought you out of there by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm therefore the lord your god commanded you to celebrate the sabbath this is god reminding his people after they've been delivered from slavery now their whole identity was wrapped up in being slaves that's what all of them knew they were slaves in egypt but as a response to remembering that they're free God didn't command or ask for a sacrifice. He didn't ask for worship. He didn't ask or command an enormous fast. God reminded them to celebrate their freedom weekly and celebrate it on the Sabbath. Now, you and I in the 21st century are in a totally different context, but we too can become slaves to our culture. We become slaves to the rat race, We become slaves uh, to job insecurity. We have to keep working just in case our job isn't important anymore. We become slaves to the glorification of overwork. Slaves um, to a culture where we've seen a shift in our culture where we no longer value just who someone is, we value them on what they do. We become slaves to that. We're slaves for the newest gadgets. We're slaves for the biggest TV. We're slaves that we never have enough or the cultural phenomenon of FOMO. If we stop, what will we miss out on? But God says you are free from that. Free from what? Free from believing that you are your own provider free from believing that you're in control. And now that you're free, do not forget the Sabbath. Sabbath is a celebration of freedom in the face of a culture that tells you you're never enough, you don't have enough, and you better not stop or you'll fall behind. Tim Keller says it like this, you are a slave to anything that you cannot take a break from so i want to remind you this morning church that sabbath is not a laborious task an awful 24 hours i can't believe i have to do this endure the sabbath sabbath is actually an incredible celebration sabbath is about delight it's about savoring the good things that god has given us the original word sabbath is shabbat And I just really quickly want to go through the four translations that that word brings to us because it gives us an amazing image of of the gift we're being invited into. Shabbat firstly means stopping. Not just stopping our paid work. We stop all work. Even thinking and talking about work. We stop worrying. We stop wanting. We shift our heart away from greed and discontentment and restlessness, and we move it towards gratitude, contentment, and restfulness. Secondly, Shabbat means resting, and not just sleep. Although uh, the Sabbath is a great day to nap, (laughs) this is holistic rest, It, it is physical. So sleep in, have a great nap. Uh, but it's emotional as well, a rest emotionally, just like you would on a birthday or Christmas. Set aside sad and heavy topics, not that you would ignore them, but you just postpone them till, till you come to a place of Sabbath rest and you can approach them from rest, not exhaustion. It's spiritual rest. It's mental rest where you set aside problem-solving and you just give yourself permission for 24 hours to rest. Now the good stuff. Shabbat also means delighting. It actually means more like throw a party, celebrate. Sabbath is about saying yes to delight. A great question to ask is what could I do for 24 hours that would fill my soul? Uh, It's about pleasure and delicious food or reading fiction and walking in nature, swimming in the ocean, uh, things that would give life to your soul. John Mark Comer, the author of The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, says, Sabbath is a way to retrain our mind in the good, the beautiful and the true. Lastly, Shabbat means worshipping means thankfulness and gratitude, the ability to see again, perhaps with a song, a psalm or a gathering of worship like we're doing this morning. Now you will have noticed that there is an order to that Shabbat because sometimes we need to come down from from the culture we are living in. First we stop, just stop. Then we rest because our souls need rest, our bodies need rest before we can delight. And delighting in good things should always turn our hearts to worship, acknowledging the one who gave us those good things. So really practically, what does Sabbath look like? Um, now I understand Sabbath as I explain it today sounds beautiful. It sounds lovely. When is the nanny coming to look after the kids for 24 hours? It sounds great. Um, but in our culture, we are not set up for 24 hours of rest. It actually will take you setting boundaries and choosing yes to space for delight and saying no to a whole lot of other things. Trust me, the whole lot of other things will never add up to the gift that God wants to give you in Sabbath. So to help us on our journey towards um, practicing Sabbath and to help in your conversations this week, here are some practical things to consider. Uh, These are called best practices. They're not rules. Definitely not rules, um, but best practices to help you facilitate sh- um, Sabbath. Firstly, uh, for for the time that you have set aside for Sabbath, put away your phone um, and all work. Just pop, pop, maybe pop them in a in a cupboard or in a drawer. Um, If that is too hard for you and no condemnation, we're all at different stages, um, just set it on do not disturb and try and avoid social media or online shopping or the fear mongering news outlets just for 24 hours. Secondly, you may want to prepare for Sabbath the day before or a few days before. Uh, This might mean making sure that you have food to eat (laughs) and you might want to tidy the house beforehand so you don't have to get up and think about it for that 24 hours. And thirdly, limit your entertainment or vegging out. Now, I love binging a TV series as as much as the next person. However, um, entertainment and vegging out is really a form of escapism it is, um, it, it's not actually rest for your soul. It, it's another form of distraction this, that this world offers us that we don't have to look at it for too long. But rest is a totally different thing. So try and avoid the distractions of this world uh there are definitely more best practices that you could add and there's a whole lot of resources that you can read if you really want to dive into this but that's where we can start Uh, suggestions for sabbath sorry for the lists but they're helpful they're helpful okay suggestions for sabbath just like when we spoke about silence and solitude you may be asking great so what do i do when i get there Um, These are some of the things that you could do, suggestions for Sabbath. Uh, Traditionally, you would do something to symbolize the start of your Sabbath. This might mean um, you stop and you read a psalm out loud. You could say a prayer. Um, Traditionally, people like to light candles, listen to a song, take a walk, whatever it is that would symbolize my work week is done and this day is for the Lord. Traditionally, Sabbath starts 20 minutes before sundown on Friday night to sundown on Saturday night. But again, find what works for you. Work with your season. You might just be able to give three or four hours on a Saturday. Start there. Start there and it will nourish your soul. Um, have maybe have special food for Sabbath Uh, make it a day where you celebrate buy the good cheese and the sourdough and don't you dare do keto on Sabbath enjoy all of the good things that God has given us he says you are no longer slaves remember your freedom so delight in the great things he has to offer Perhaps set aside moments throughout the day just to turn to God in prayer. It doesn't have to be long. It could be whilst you're cuddling your kids. It could be whilst you're making your morning coffee. But turn your heart to remember him throughout the day. And then uh, psychologists have this term when they talk about um, saving up all these great things and doing them at once. It's called pleasure stacking. Now for Sabbath, just pleasure stack all of the great things that you could think of, read a book, lay in a hammock, go for a walk, get out in nature, have a really beautiful meal with close friends, Uh, do what would fill your soul. Because Sabbath is a day not just for rest. Sabbath's a day for healing. Sabbath is a day for delight for our souls. It's a day of richness and gratitude. One final thought. Now we could go about all of these things uh, and even the unbeliever would um, find great reward in just practicing Sabbath. But unless we first understand where our true rest comes from, we will never enter the rest that has been prepared for us. When Jesus said he was Lord of the Sabbath, he was saying, I am the one who the Sabbath is pointing to. I am the one who can give you the deep rest for the soul. In other words, he is saying, I am Lord of rest. And in Matthew eleven twenty-eight, it says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You do not have to look very far in our world today to find burdensome people who are weary and just desperate for rest we find our true rest for our souls in the finished work of christ not in the enduring work of our own hands if we would only trust the work of his hands and not rely on ours there is a gift of rest for our souls that can only come through the healing and the salvation of Jesus Christ. I pray your conversations around Sabbath this week are blessed and I pray that you would discover and delight in the joy of Sabbath. Be blessed in Jesus' name.